Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. start into something and don't necessarily have a scripture text to spring from amen but I do have a subject matter amen I'm going to talk to us tonight about valley interpretations valley interpretations but I'm going to pray that God would touch us here afresh and anew and help us in the next uh, few minutes concerning this father I love you tonight I pray oh Lord you're able to touch my mind you're able to touch my heart and soul God, I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, convey something, Lord. Bring again, Lord, encouragement to our life. God, encouragement to a family. God, you know, Lord, where everyone, Lord Jesus, presently, Lord, is, Lord, in their walk and their journey of life. God, there's highs, there's lows, there's plain areas. I pray, oh, God, today, all of it, Lord Jesus, no doubt, according to your purpose and according to your plan. I pray, God, today, help us, Lord, to be centered upon you and what you would have spoken, Lord, in this place and will not fail to thank you for for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. And you're already seated. So here we go. Valleys come in all shapes and sizes. There are, according to science, there are V-shaped valleys, which are normally formed by rivers. And there are U-shaped valleys, which are generally shaped by glaciers that are moving upon them. There are valleys formed from the erosion of land, of course, and there are others that are by the addition of rocky debris known as structural valleys. Some valleys have an obvious end in sight. You can stand from your position in the valley and you can see where it terminates, where it ends. But there are others that look like they're going to last forever. There's others that look like there is no end, there is no solution, if you will, to them. As a matter of fact, in the study of geology, a valley or a dale is a depression that is longer than it is wide. It's longer than it is wide, meaning then that it's not so much the breadth of a valley that makes it a valley as much as it is the length of the valley. That makes it the valley. In the spiritual realm tonight, some valleys are self-induced. We get ourselves into valleys, but others are merely nothing more but the result of living in a real world, quite frankly, in a real fallen world. Some are obviously God's will for us to be in, and others are just nearly impossible at times to figure out until we'll reach our eternal home someday and be able to look back over our shoulder and say, that's why I was there at that particular time, in that particular place, and that's why that was so long as it was long. The Bible says, though Job never died in the middle of his loss and in the middle of his physical illness of having boils, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He never died in the middle of that. The Bible says that he lived until he was old and full of days to the age of 140 years old. And throughout the scripture of Job, we never read where God told Job, Job, this is why you're suffering. 
Job, this is why you are going through this. This is why this happened to you or that happened to you. We have the privilege of being readers of the book with a little insight, knowing why Job went through what he did. But from the beginning of the book, the why is never told to Job himself. And so he must have wrestled in his own spirit and in his own mind. Is this pain that I'm going through? Are these trials that I'm facing? Are these losses that's come across my life? Are they the product of of maybe some bad choices I've made? Are they the product of having some less than reputable choices? I know those are the things that my friend says I've done. It's, it's Job because you made a bad choice. Or you did a wrong turn. That all of this has come upon you. Yet on the contrary, as God said in that book, he says there was none like Job in all the earth. A perfect and an upright man. One that feareth God and assureth evil. Can I tell the congregation tonight, because it seems like over the past few years and months in particular, so many people have met obstacles and difficulties and sufferings and heartaches. Amen. I'm here to comfort us tonight to tell us that not every valley, not every valley can we consider as a wrong turn in our life. Because in order to call every valley a wrong turn in our life, that would be similar to saying that every mountain means a right turn in our our life as well. And yet some of the very places that ensnared the children of Israel in the Old Testament, some of the very places that ensnared them were sacrifices that they offered, the Bible says, in high places. The Bible declares that the tribe of Zebulun and the tribe of Naphtali, they jeopardized their lives, not in the valley, but in the high places. The beauty of Israel, notably as Saul and his son Jonathan. The Bible says they were slain not in the vale, not in the dale, not in the valley, but they were slain on the high places. And so we are mistaken tonight as a church, as a people, as an individual, to paint with a broad brush on both accounts that all mountains are right turns and all valleys are wrong turns. Amen. For that matter, whenever God was describing to the nation of Israel, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan the way in which God described that land that he was reserving for his people was this the writer often depicts it your promised land that land of Canaan it is a land of hills and valleys hallelujah and it's a good expression for life folks it's not all mountain but it's not all valley it seems to be a constant balance of hill and valley someone say amen Amen. And to think that the only place God can lead us to is a mountaintop is an error in our thinking. Amen. The thinking like that is like the groups of the Syrians of 1 Kings 20 and verse 28. The Bible says, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into the hand and ye shall know that I am the Lord. My implication is that he is the Lord of the hills 
and he is the Lord of the valleys. The Syrians thought, no, he's just a God of the hills. But they come back and say, no, he's not just a God of the hills. He is a God of the valleys as well. It matters not, God is God. God is God when things are well. God is God when things are not well. Amen, the God of the mountain, Sister McGee sings, is the God of the valley. It doesn't indicate a wrong turn. It doesn't indicate necessarily a bad decision because God is God. It does not matter. My God led the prophet Elijah to a brook that he knew was going to dry up. My God drove his own son, Christ Jesus, into a wilderness that he knew he would be tested in. My God sent his disciples over a lake to the other side, knowing that they would be accosted by a storm. People could say, oh, it's a wrong turn to be in the wilderness. It's a wrong turn to be up on the lake and causing a storm. It's a wrong turn to be by a brook that, that dried up. But no, no, no. My God had Elijah where he needed to be, where Christ needed to be. He had his disciples where they needed to be. Valley interpretations. Valley interpretations. I'm here to tell us here this evening that we cannot judge the appropriateness of our circumstances based on their location. Mountains or valley. Because even Job, and this is in the Living Bible, but even Job said, we feel his presence in the thunder. I like that. We feel his presence in the thunder. What are you saying, Job? I'm telling you that we can feel his presence even in the storm. I know there's times that he feels far. I know there's times as though he doesn't know where I'm at. But Job said there are glimpses even in the middle of the storm as the thunder is cracking and the winds are blowing that I can sense and feel his presence in it all. Bible says of Acts 20 in verse 22, consider here, if you will, the apostle Paul. The Bible says, and now... Behold, I go bound in the spirit. This is Paul. I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul's saying, I've turned my face toward Jerusalem. I feel like that's where I need to go. I feel like that's where I ought to go. He's trying to get to Jerusalem before Pentecost arrives. He's bound in his spirit to get there. But he's saying every town that I visit on the way to Jerusalem, at every place that I stop, he says people are saying that there's bonds and affliction that's going to meet me when I get to Jerusalem. This is what he says in Acts 21 and verse 10. And as we tarried there, meaning Caesarea, Many days there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, we took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place, 
they besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? He says, for I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we see saying, the will of the Lord be done. Can I tell you that about a week after Paul had made it to Jerusalem, the, the, the prophecy came forth. The prophecy was fulfilled. He was bound, hands and feet. He was taken for questioning. And he was brought into some very high officials, people that had clout, people that were rulers of high society in that place. And they came to hear as Paul would give testimony concerning his conversion. He would give testimony about being blinded on the path to Damascus. He would bring testimony how he used to persecute the church and now he propagated the church. They were all sitting there with their hearings and listening to what Paul had to say. And they heard his experiences. Someone say amen. Yet prior to that moment, every voice that was speaking into the life of Paul was saying, Paul, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem because you're going to be have afflictions there. You're going to be bound there. You're going to be incarcerated there. If I can say it tonight, there were people that was basically telling him, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem because you're going to meet a valley there. The Holy Ghost was even saying that bonds and afflictions were going to meet him there. And many interpreted what the Holy Ghost was saying as a warning to Paul. Paul, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Paul, you shouldn't even encroach upon the land. Just a heads up, Paul. Amen, you shouldn't go. But could it be perhaps that what the Holy Ghost was doing was not trying to persuade Paul to tuck tail and run, but just give him a heads up about what to expect. Paul, did you make a wrong turn? and get yourself at Jerusalem there's hostility there's misunderstanding no 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 what happened God landed him in a house arrest and prison right where he need to be where he could be most effective what interpretations the reassuring voice of God spoke to Paul during one of those night stays in the castle that he was in house arrest and said these words, be of good cheer. I'm shackled, Daddy, right now. I'm shackled to another, another man here, a soldier over here. I'm shackled. I'm on high house arrest. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying in the middle of his quote-unquote valley, be of good cheer. Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Someone say amen. Let me tell you something about the awesome thing of God. Let me tell you something about valley interpretations. The awesome thing about God is this, is that he can speak to you in your night season of doubt. The awesome thing of God is this, he can speak to you in that day, amen, that others are saying it's your doom, it's where you're gonna die, amen, but God brings a reassuring word. He says, Paul, he said, be of good cheer. You have testified of me in Jerusalem where you are right now, but you must also bear witness of me in Rome 
that's still ahead of you. You know what that told Paul? It's not over yet. It's not done yet. It's not finished yet. I made the right choice. I made the right decision. I know it's presently unfavorable, but I'm right where I need to be. Paul must have settled the issue after that. Woo! It's not my day to die. I'm shackled. I got, I got men all around me. They're watching me day and night. But it's not my day to die. Why? God's not finished with me yet. I rise on this Sunday night to sell somebody that's had doubtful things and, and voices and ideas going through your head. I want to be a reassurance to you in the Holy Ghost tonight. God's not finished with you yet. God's not written the last word to your story. God's not put a period on the end of his sentence yet. God's not done with you. God's not done. Paul had done his duty in Jerusalem. But God had a purpose for him in this long valley. Because he wanted him to impact Rome as well. You must bear witness in Rome also. So I bring another assurance to us tonight. That every valley, listen to me very clearly here. Every valley may not directly teach us something. At times, our valleys are teaching someone else something. Yes, Paul may have been affirmed of the faithfulness of God in these moments as I just illustrated to you. But the people that were exposed to him during his incarceration. The people that were exposed to him during this long valley were learning from the high officials down to the pauper who Jesus really was. They were learning the reality of the almighty God. Paul, if you didn't learn anything, your valley was teaching somebody else something about God. So, ma'am, I know you can't put together the dots. You can't draw the lines of why you are where you are. But rest assured, it might not be for you. It might be for somebody that is viewing your life. It might be for somebody that knows you. It might be for somebody that was doubtful concerning God. And they're watching you in the fire. And they're watching you in the water. And they're watching you in persecution. And they're watching you in lack. And they're seeing you raise a hand. And they're seeing you raise a voice. And they're seeing you smile. And they're seeing you in your faithfulness. And not every. Hallelujah. In Acts 27, Paul would later find himself in bonds on a ship of slaves headed to see Caesar. Look now in Rome. He's in the midst of a sea. That's in the middle of a storm. Ultimately, the boat breaks apart. There's shattered pieces of the ship in the sea. And in that trying time, Paul must have recalled the words that were spoken to him in Acts 21. 
in at least two places the admonition to Paul prior to this moment in Acts 27 was this. One admonition was don't go to Jerusalem. That's what everybody was saying because of what's going to happen. The Holy Ghost is even telling you, Paul, what's going to happen. But the final admonition where they stopped and they silenced was this. The will of the Lord be done. I want to associate God's will with every mountain. I want to associate God's will with every plush green pasture. But Paul says, I got to go to Jerusalem because that's the will of God. And Paul passes Jerusalem on his way to Rome in shackles, yes. In the middle of a storm, yes. But can I say just as equally smack dab in the will of God? What are you saying? His storm was God's will. His shackles was God. And if it's God's will for me to be shackled today, it may be God's uh, purpose and reason and will in the future to unshackle me. But I know if shackling, amen, means his will, and if storm means his will, then it doesn't matter how bad it gets, how strong it gets, how high the wind blows, because if I'm in his will, then I'm just virtually in the palm of his hand. And the Bible says no man can pluck me. It's not going to end prematurely, no man. Furthermore, amen. Another reassurance or concept to digest is this. A valley may be one thing to one person and another thing to another person. 1 Samuel 17, we read in Scripture, very notable story of David and Goliath. We read in Scripture of a particular valley there in which the actual fight took place between David and Goliath, the valley of Elah. On either side of this valley was a mountainous range on one mountain for 40 days and on one mountain on the other side for 40 days. We had the Philistine army and we had the army of the Israelites. Been a long battle, 40-day battle. It had, if you will, the valley of Elah had impressed intimidation upon Israel and it impressed fear upon the Israelites because every time Goliath waltzed down to the valley of Elah and said give me a man that we might fight and he put forth if you will the little plan that if you'll send a champion we'll fight and whoever wins we will become servants of yours we will become the people that will serve you every day that Goliath came forth down in that valley to defy the armies of God there is something being formulated in the minds of the Israelites negativity, intimidation and fear in the valley of Elah and the day that David showed up, listen to me here very clearly the day that David showed up, if he just assumed the spirit of the Israelites that had already been there for 40 days had he assumed the spirit of the Israelites that had already experienced the defying words of Goliath from the valley of Elah for the past 40 days he likewise would have found a trench to cower in and be intimidated by and have fear shake his life what are you saying tonight brother McGee he didn't approach the valley of Elah like that it wasn't fear it wasn't intimidation for David it was victory for him I'm telling someone here tonight don't allow someone else to define what your valley of Elah is going to mean to you. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? 
Someone saying, well, I've been down that road. You've been down. And it was, it was woe and blue, horrible and just, oh, I just barely made it. And I had one foot in the grave, the other one on the banana peel. And what you're doing in that moment is allowing somebody else to define your valley. Be a David. Don't adopt the spirit of whoever's been before you because what's intimidation and fear to them may be victory to you. Valley interpretations. Valley interpretations. When David walked away that day, there wasn't any association of intimidation. There wasn't any fear concerning the valley of Elah. No. But Brother McGee, there was a battle. Yeah. They fought. Yeah. It was a sizable foe. Yeah. But what David seen in his valley was a God who was faithful. Shank Valley. But what he saw was a God that was faithful. That helped seal the victory. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Because he might come and seal a victory and show forth faithfulness and what others would say, this is a fearsome, impossible task. Mostly, mostly in the Bible, there is a brook mentioned by the name the Brook of Kedron. And it's mentioned just like that in the word of the Lord several places. The Brook of Kedron. A brook. Someone say a brook. But many scholars, including the historian Josephus, speaks that there is an interchanging of terms if you really look at it. Because at times it's called the brook of Kedron one time. And then there's other times it's called the valley of Kedron. Brook of Kedron, valley of Kedron. Other times it's called the Valley of Kedron. Listen to me very closely. The other times it's called the Valley of Kedron. It's because the area was going through a season where the brook dried up. Remember all the way back to the beginning, some valleys are caused by the water that had coursed through them. When it was a brook of Kedron is when the water was plenty. When it's the brook Kedron is when there was water found there. But when it was the valley of Kedron was in a season of a dry spell. When the water has evaporated and it's just clay and it's just parched land and it's cracked soil underneath the feet. This so-called valley then at other times may just as adequately be a brook. But it all depended upon what season. What season the surroundings were in. I come to speak to someone tonight that the same valley today that you're walking through because of the environment and the circumstances and the situation, the same valley that you are walking through may just in a few months become a brook. 
I'll say it again. I'm saying the same hard clay soil that's cracked underneath your feet today might be a plentiful supply of refreshing water in a few months. It just is all about what season. So don't curse your valley too hard because God may turn it into a brook next month. Just depends on your season. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. A couple other words for a valley or a dale on the veil. Ain't that nice? A dale on the veil. Mom, I don't know why you didn't ever just, just name Dale Vale. Dale on the Vale. A dale is generally a flatter and it's generally wider than a veil. And a veil usually has water in it, such as a river. But a dale usually doesn't. In some cases, I suppose, a dale could also be a veil based upon the season that you're in. Note what God said in Isaiah 41 and 18. He said, I will open rivers. I like this. He said, I'll open rivers in the high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. You know what God said? Call it mountain or valley. He says, I can cause water to flow there nonetheless. I can cause rivers in the high places and fountains to break forth in the midst of the valleys. David said, even in Psalms 104, and I think it's verse 10, he said, he sent springs into the valleys which rung among the hills. Don't mislabel every valley. Bad choice, wrong decision. No, no, no. I remember this. This is from several years ago. We were out. We're out in New Mexico preaching a youth camp out there, and we were in Carlsbad, New Mexico, and we was with uh, Brother Bingham, and we were just riding in the, the van. <laughs> oh, you got to go ride in the van someday. We were riding in the van. It's like a big conversion van, and some didn't have seats, and part of the back kids are sitting on the floor, and it's just ridiculous. It was fun, but yeah. So we're out there, and he just kind of something off the cuff said something to me. We're out here in, in Carlsbad, New Mexico. It is dry. It is arid. Every night they have lightning just streaking through the sky. There's a high place you can go up to and you can watch it. It's a light show. It's, you talk about heat lightning. They have heat lightning every night. And it is just a light show of lightning striking here and there just so dry and arid. Remember Brother Bingham just off the cuff said something to me that stuck in my mind. He says, we may not experience, he says, an ounce of rain around here. He says, but when we are not even experiencing an ounce of rain, they can come across the news and still broadcast a flood alert for our area. He said, because the rain that's falling in the higher elevations on the surrounding mountains, he said, will make their way so quickly to the valley. That it will be a flood alert before we can even wrap our minds around it and before we've ever felt a drop. Can I tell somebody tonight, you're in the valley, but I am forecasting in the Holy Ghost a flood alert. There is rain taking place at higher elevations and they are descending from the source at a quick rapid pace to your valley. That parts ground is going to be Covered with water. 
Let me tell you with God in the picture, every one of our lives, we live to the degree of a flood situation at any moment, a flood situation at any time. He can turn the tide of battle. He can turn the surroundings, the circumstances. He can turn the outlook. He can change the season in a moment. What if your valley wasn't a wrong turn? What if your valley wasn't a bad decision? What? What if the valley wasn't the result of a decision? Hear me now. But the cornerstone of a decision. What if it wasn't the result, but it was the origin? What if the valley is where the decision was made? If I may, I'd like to employ in, in, in seminary and Bible scholars, there is what's called the law of first mention. I'd like to employ the law of first mention tonight. The law of first mention in scholarly interpretation of the Bible is that you go to where the word was first mentioned in the Bible, and that will give you the clearest most definitive meaning of the word throughout the rest of Holy Script. In other words, you can go like to Genesis, I believe it is 22, and you can read of the story and the account, amen, of Abraham taking Isaac up Mount Moriah, and the Bible says, we'll worship you there. I believe that's the first instance of the word worship in Scripture in the King James Version of the Bible. And when you see what he was going to do up there, he was going to sacrifice. That gives us the most clear and pure definition of worship. All right? So that's how the law of first mention works. And so whenever we consider this, and a lot of the first mentioning of words happens, of course, in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis. Amen. And so when we look at this, I look at Genesis 14 and verse number 17 and 18. The Bible says, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him. It's speaking of Abram before his name was changed. After his return from the slaughter of Cheddar Laomer. That's a good one. Name your kid that, will you? You want a Bible name? There you go for your kid. You called him Cheddar for short. <laughs> From the slaughter of Cheddar Laomer, of the kings that were with him, look now at the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. This is the first time the word valley is used in the King James Version of the Bible. Particularly the valley of Shaveh. The valley of Shaveh was a most plain and even valley. It was clear of trees. Everything that obstructs the side or passage, it was clear of. Shaveh actually comes from a verb that means to level or equalize or adjust or counterbalance or yield. It says here, the valley of Shaveh was the king's dale. The king's dale or the king's valley. It's the king's valley. It's only mentioned here and only one other place in Scripture is 2 Samuel 18, 18. As also being the place that, Ab that Absalom built his monument in his own name since 
his true, his true three sons had expired and had died. He wanted something to be remembered by since his name couldn't be carried on through his offspring because they were dead. He built a monument unto his name so that he'd carry on, amen, through that way, a representation of his name even after he died. It was in this particular valley that Abram has retreated and went to after he's been victorious over the kings that had come against Sodom and Gomorrah before its destruction, and more importantly, that had come and taken his nephew, Lot, who had chosen the plains of Sodom. And so here's what happened with Abraham. He was victorious against those kings. He was victorious in getting Lot, his nephew, back. He went from victory to the valley. He went from victory to the valley. And in this valley, Abram is met by the king of Sodom and he is also met by the king of Salem being known as Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. In this moment in the valley, Abram then has a choice to make. Here was the plea of these two kings in the king's valley. Amen. That was made. One was telling him. Sodom was telling him. Abram, you can keep all the goods that you have taken in this war. You can keep all the goods that you have taken in this battle. Amen. According to your fighting. Just surrender the people that you have taken back unto the king of Sodom. That's what you need to do. And then the king of Salem was coming to Abraham and telling him and bringing to him blessing. Amen. Saying that he knew the possessor of heaven and earth and he came to bless Abram. And the Bible says that Abram was going to take a tenth of everything that he had and he would give it back to the king of Sodom. In essence, what we had here in the valley after the victory was the king of Sodom that was offering Abraham a deal. You take this and you give me that. But the king of Salem came saying, Abram, I'm going to give you blessing and I'm going to give you provision. I'm not going to take anything from you unless you willingly want to give it. The tenth, Abram said, I'll give. We use a phrase today, folks. We use a phrase whenever we're making decisions or making the choices. We all time say, well, you know, I'm just weighing things out. You know how it goes. I'm just weighing things out. You know, uh, uh, what are we doing? Well, well, we're leveling things. We're equalizing them if possible. We're, we're, we're adjusting. We're counterbalancing. We're just weighing things out. But ultimately, ultimately, we must yield. Ultimately, we must make a decision, a choice. The king of Salem was... Melchizedek, he was the king of righteousness, came giving with blessing. His name meant peace. Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Christ was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, according to the Hebrews. Sodom, though, is this place of Sodom is, is associated with everything that's wicked, everything that's worldly, everything that's immoral. But Abram's valley, then he found himself in this moment. Was it the result of wrong choice or wrong decision? Listen to me clearly. It was an opportunity. It wasn't the result of a choice. It was an opportunity to make a choice. Follow me. I'm getting there. Josephus, again, first century historian said, the Kingsdale 
was two four furlongs distance. You'd have to do the math on the furlongs from Jerusalem. Some describe it as the valley on the east of Jerusalem. Afterwards, it was called the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which passed through the Kedron, where the Kedron passed through, the Kedron Valley, the Kedron Brook. The same valley that Abram is at right now is that which is to be known as the Brook Kedron or the Valley of Kedron. If that is the case, that is the case, somewhere in the future years removed from Abraham. Along the night after Jesus' last supper with his disciples, declaring Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial, John 18 and 1 tells us that Jesus went over a brook called Kedron with his disciples into a garden called Gethsemane, the press. Oh, someone say amen. amen. He passed over Kedron because there was a choice to be made in this night. There was a choice to be made in that olive press garden. Feeling the burden of he who knew no sin becoming sin. Feeling the weight in his prayer that Luke said he prayed as though it were great drops of blood. From the stress, the agony of his valley, it's in that moment the same Kedron that Abraham had made a decision in. Jesus had just crossed over and he's praying, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What are you saying? It wasn't a wrong turn. It wasn't a bad decision. It wasn't the result of decision. It was the cornerstone of a decision. Stand with me, stand with me. Appears to be the same valley of Genesis 14 where Christ passed over, where Abraham had passed over. Victory to valley, same valley. It was in that vicinity that I think we can all agree as witnesses and testifiers to it tonight that Christ made the right decision. Crown of thorns? Yeah. Cat and night tails on the back? That just don't sound like the right one. Carrying a cross? Hung wide and stretched. Hung high and stretched wide? Don't sound like that. No, 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 no. Yes, it was. It was the wheel being done. It doesn't always look like it. And sometimes it's long and it doesn't feel like it. But know this well, that if that's where God has you, then that's his will. And he will keep you. And it's the right choice and the right decision at the right time. So my question to us grouping of people here tonight is this. What will you do with your vow?
how will you respond to your valley? And when you, when the dust settled at your feet while you're standing there, turns into mud because a brook is now flowing there. What will you be able to walk away and say, this is what I've learned. I have learned that sometimes it's long. I have learned. I can allow people to, to superimpose their definition of the valley for me and my valley. I have learned that it's not all about me learning, but it's about what maybe somebody else is learning through my experience. I've learned that I might not be here because of some decision I made. I understand I might be here because I have a decision to make. Valley interpretations. Can we raise our hands across this place? Can we raise this? Raise our hands. What makes the valley is not the width of it, it's the length of it. The season right now is telling you you're in a valley. But seasons change. Tomorrow you may be in a brook. These altars are open tonight for any person that may be standing in a parched, a parched riverbed tonight. <laughs> These altars are open for any individual that may have the dust that's clad upon their feet because they're standing in a, a parched riverbed tonight. Summary value. What, what could I have done different? What could I have done better? What could I have done more to somehow bypass this for I wouldn't be here? It may not be anything that you have done. You might be smack dab in the will of God. You might be smack dab in the will of God. There's going to be bonds and afflictions and there's going to be storms, but you might be smack dab in the will of God. And He's not finished yet. <laughs> Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. It may not be the result of a bad decision. It might be the place and the cornerstone of a decision you're going to make. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Oh, there's a flash flood warning that's taking place right now. There's a flash flood warning. Take it. Brother McGee, I don't feel no rain. I don't feel any pre precipitation. Brother McGee, I've been sent to a brook that's been caused to dry up. Brother McGee, I've been sent into a wilderness where I've been tested. Brother McGee, I've been sent over a river that a storm has accosted me. You may be right in the middle of the will of Yes. 
valley interpretations. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord.
hallelujah, if you will, someone near to you, just grab their hand tonight as we pray the prayer of dismissal and the service. Just pray for the ones whose hand that you're holding here this evening. That we would have the proper interpretations of the valleys that we find our feet in all times. Father, I come to you today. Spirit of the Almighty God, I feel the wind of your presence, God, blowing, God, through these long tunnels. God, that oft times are interpreted as despair and woe. I'm praying, oh God, come alongside us this week. I'm praying, oh God, let us, God, interpret, Lord, appropriately and correctly. God, and make choices and decisions, Lord, in some of these places. God, that will have eternal impacts, I pray. Oh God, minister, Lord, to your people. God, encourage and uplift and strengthen and make strong, Lord, the feeble hands and the weak knees, I pray, God, today. Holy Ghost, water, spring up, old well. Spring up a well in their soul. God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, God, for your accomplishment of your word in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And someone say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, again, Wednesday we'll be here. Amen. John series will be continuing that in John chapter 14. Next Sunday we just have one service, so you need to prepare your heart and mind on that Sunday morning. Amen. To come ready to give of our all. Amen. Unto the Lord in that service. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Be encouraged in the Lord. Amen. This week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.